It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. I'm Guy Benson. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Podcast is free when the show is over every day. No charge, on demand. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcasts.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on social at GuyBensonShow, Twitter and Instagram. Catch me tonight on Kennedy in the 7 p.m. hour Eastern time. That's Fox Business Network. Can't wait for that. This hour is sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. I heard from a listener just yesterday who tried it for the first time. And he was blown away. He's like, I didn't know that I would like this combination of flavors, but I do. You should check it out as well. 21 plus only. Always drink responsibly. TheLongDrink.com. That's TheLongDrink.com. Joining us now is Molly Hemingway, editor-in-chief at The Federalist, Fox News contributor, co-author of Justice on Trial, also wrote her own book, also a bestseller, Rigged, at MZ Hemingway on Twitter. Molly, always good to have you here. Great to be here with you. Are you a Valentine's Day gal or not really? So sort of not at all in that I'm not much for those types of schmaltzy holidays, but I do have children and they get super into it. And so I did get them cards and candy and they were like really excited and it made it fun. So My mom usually sends me peanut M&Ms for Valentine's nice. Day. She knows the way to my heart. <laughs> that is it. And so I just wanted to see. You didn't strike me as someone who goes above and beyond yourself like it's like oh it's it's tuesday i better have a candlelit dinner with mark or there's trouble that doesn't yeah. seem like a molly hemingway move and i i know this is going to sound totally cheesy but i love my husband so much and we have such a great relationship that i honestly feel like every day is just a wonderful day and oh. i don't feel the need that like i don't think oh he better get me this or that because he's just wonderful every day wow okay well now i feel like we're watching like a 90s sitcom where the whole studio audience goes, oh, at the same time. That's what just happened here on the show. Our whole team said it in unison, just off microphone. All right, Molly, let's get rolling here. I want to start with some news that's, I guess, officially happening tomorrow, but the video came out today. Nikki Haley, no surprise, announcing for president. What do you make of her entry into this fray? What do you think of her generally? Guy, I'm having trouble getting into the primary for the Republican nominee for president, but I'm trying. I'm doing my best. But I think at this point, I'm just excited to see everybody getting into the pool. I think it, it can be a healthy way for people and parties to have debates about issues that matter. And I think she's, you know, at least as good of a person to get in the pool as anyone else. Um, and so I'm just kind of excited to see what she says. A lot of folks, it seems like, will be pushing the new generation card and that overall sort of thrust, we heard it from Sarah Huckabee Sanders in the response to the State of the Union, new generation of Republican leadership, Nikki Haley doing the same thing here, people who are urging Ron DeSantis to run, making a similar point. How resonant do you think the generational thing is, or is that sort of code for turning the page from Biden and Trump? What do you make of that? I actually think it's code for something else and that it doesn't have everything to do with age, but attitude. And so 
I think, first of all, Nikki Haley is very savvy that she's navigated a lot of these disputes within the Republican Party very well. But when people are talking about a new generation of Republican leadership, they're really talking about moving on from this approach that the Republican Party took for a few decades or not even that long, um, this like resistance to fighting in a tough way for the issues that matter. And so even though probably, I have no idea how old they are, but probably Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are roughly the same age, but Ron DeSantis has a very different approach of being aggressive and bold and courageous with his policy ideas, whereas Nikki kind of is more like what we've seen from a lot of Republicans. And, and that's a very popular thing too, and a lot of people like that. But she's, you know, she, she leans into some identity politics. She's very much about, you know, what's the appropriate or proper way to say something. And so... I think these these are the types of issues that we get to fight about in a primary um, and, you know, that you would hope to see on the Democrat side as well. But it'll be interesting to see how she plays it, what lane she's going for. Molly, I saw a tweet from our colleague Britt Hume, who was highlighting a Twitter thread from Walter Olson at the Cato Institute, who writes at Reason Magazine. And he was drawing attention to something that I know a lot of conservative journalists and conservative writers in a certain space have been watching, which is this disinfo index, a disinformation index that has been funded to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars by the U.S. State Department that basically determines, based on the opinions of this group, what websites are dangerous purveyors of misinformation and disinformation. And then that list, that roster gets fed to online advertisers. So this is sort of trying to punish sites and entities that are determined by these folks to be people who traffic in misinformation or disinformation. And that list includes Reason Magazine, DC Examiner, New York Post. I mean, a lot of different sites where we have friends who work. I know that I think town halls got dinged. It's just sort of wild to see not some left-wing outside advocacy group coming up with a roster like this and then trying to pressure advertisers. They've done that sort of thing now for many years. This is a U.S. federal government-funded entity that therefore has some extra degree of maybe prestige or credibility in the eyes of advertisers who might not know how to navigate this stuff terribly well. Meanwhile, we learn that this group has also come up with a list of 10 websites designated as the least risky, meaning most credible in their eyes, including NPR, ProPublica, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post. I mean, it's not really subtle here, Molly, what they're trying to do. I just think the inclusion of federal money is what is particularly egregious about this. Yes, and you're absolutely right to highlight here. The groups that they claim are risky are some of the few media entities that have done excellent work pushing back against information operations and disinformation, whether that were, you know, whether that was the smears of Brett Kavanaugh, the Russia collusion hoax, some of the uh, poorly designed public health response to the COVID threat. These entities that they claim are risky are actually the ones doing journalism. And the ones that they claim are safe are some of the worst perpetrators of misinformation and disinformation that we have seen in recent decades. So all that this is, is a censorship regime and it is a left-wing group financed by your taxpayer dollars, my taxpayer dollars, and the weight of the state to help the left accomplish its authoritarian censorship goals and desires. It is horrific. And also, I just want to point out, one of the groups that was targeted, they were the ones who exposed that this was 
uh, a big operation where you had left-wing groups and the government working together yeah, to deplatform political opponents. Yeah. And look, it's subjective. Right. You can look at an article from website A and say that's misinformation, that's misleading. Then you can say, well, that same website published article B, which was extremely important. It was also labeled misinformation, but it was absolutely true. It's been vindicated. And some of the people piling on the misinformation accusation team were some of the allegedly reputable organizations. I just feel like the federal government especially... But even some of these outside groups should just stay out of this. And advertisers, I think, are wrong, naive, or worse to go along with these types of things because clearly there's a thumb on the ideological scale. That's the point. The point here is not to actually get good, reliable information to the American people regardless of the source, which is at least a reasonable, laudable goal. The purpose of these lists is to blacklist dissenters and to try to enforce some sort of monopoly on ideas. It's, it's really not much more complicated than that, even though they try to dress it up in, in much more uh, sort of honorable terms and frame it. And, and there should be action taken against this. I mean, the private entities that are involved in this censorship and deplatforming campaign are engaged in some antitrust behavior. But as you note, it is the involvement of the federal government that makes this so much more problematic. It's a First Amendment issue. First Amendment Clear rights cut. in this country. Not, not, just, and not just the spirit, but the letter. Exactly. We have speech and press rights. And when you have the federal government coming in to protect its power by pushing back in this really draconian authoritarian, authoritarian way against, again, those few entities that are independent from you know, what the establishment says you know, are the contours of what you're allowed to talk about. This is a huge, major threat. They should have nothing to do with this, and they are in violation of the, of the Constitution and the rights that, that are protected therein. Molly Hemingway, on a separate topic, we had Dr. Nicole Sapphire here on the program yesterday talking about COVID, COVID policies, and a new consortium of data about masks and mask mandates and the efficacy of mask mandates. And the results were devastating to the mask crowd, certainly to the mandate crowd. Hasn't gotten all that much play certain places, but highly relevant. Related to that, and the reason I mention that, is there's a federal program called Head Start, which is this federal pre-K program. Parenthetically, gold-plated studies have shown that it doesn't work. The actual data shows that Head Start is a failed program on its own merits, but Setting that off to the side, keeping it in the parentheses, the program exists, it has a federal website, and as of this week, still, in early 2023, there's a video featured on this website from Sesame Street, there's a Muppet trying to teach young children, including kids with autism, to wear masks. Knowing everything that we now know and have for quite some time, Molly, this is still live on the federal website for Head Start. Listen. I know masks can take time to get used to, but I like how cool your mask is. Uh, painted it. Oh, I see that. You painted your mask to make it extra special. Uh, bunny. <laughs> that bunny nose you painted makes you look just like Fluffster. Hey, is your mask as soft as Fluffster? Soft as Fluffster? Good, good. A soft mask feels a lot nicer on your face. Uh, uh, off. Oh, oh, honey, do you want to take your mask off? 
Oh, look, why don't we practice wearing it for just a little bit first, okay? Fluffster? Oh, of course. Fluffster and I will both practice with you. Here, just wear it while I count to five, okay, honey? F Fluffster, you ready? Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four, five. Five, yay! Yay is right. You did great, sweetheart. You wore your mask for five whole seconds. Honey, you're still with six seconds, seven seconds, eight seconds. <laughs> wow, you're really good at this, Julia. Okay. Molly, let's just say that this video were put together in April of 2020. I guess that might have been still too early before they were telling us masks were good because there was a while where they were bad. We didn't need them, then they were good again, and they had to be mandated. So let's just say, you know, summer or even fall of 2020, just to be generous. I can understand stuff like this happening to try to acclimate kids to this very strange, disturbing new reality where people were kind of just grappling through the dark trying to figure out what was going on. This is pushing now March of 2023. And listening to that clip now with fresh ears, knowing what we've known for well over two years at this point about masks, kids, kids with autism trying to learn how to speak, it just bothers me viscerally that this video remains on the Head Start federal government website because right now in this current context, it sounds like a very cheerful form of abuse is what it sounds like. It almost made me want to cry listening to that. It is horrific torture of children. And the idea that this would be presented as something good as opposed to an example of how awful people were to children in particular is insane. And, yeah, you're, you know, you say it's it would be one thing if it were at the beginning, but this was at the end. But, you know, there never was good scientific evidence in support of mask mandates, much less for children. At this point, you know, we have this study of studies which shows conclusively that mask mandates had no effect on the spread of COVID. And, you know, there's a difference between masked environments, you know, where you can replace a mask very quickly, like in a hospital setting, where you're doing it for a very particular reason, and doing what we did with children, which is, you know, having none of the benefits that are associated with mask wearing. And for no good public health reason, um, it just seems criminal. Like, whoever was involved in that, do they not hear that they sound like evil torturers of children? And, and it was would- it was like programming them to be subservient to to adult control in exactly the ways I mean you know we we try to we try to protect children from some of the other bad ways that that adults can um, manipulate their emotions and things like that that's what this sounded like a training video for manipulation of children yep and you would think at some point when the data has come out and the evidence is clear and the harm of forced masking for kids is also clear especially for kids with special needs and learning disabilities, you would think someone would say, hey, remember the video that we put together? We might want to take that off the official website of a pre-K federal program. And yet here we are. And you wonder if they'll ever take it down. Do they acknowledge that that is now harmful and bad science? I don't know. But the fact that people are at least drawing attention to it might facilitate some sort of change. But, I mean, you're right. I think we both had a very similar reaction just listening to it knowing everything that we've known not for a few weeks or a few months but for years now so i just want to get your reaction and 
Uh, I think we're on the same page on that. Got to leave it there for now. Molly Hemingway, editor-in-chief at The Federalist, best-selling author, Fox News contributor. Molly, always enjoy it. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll talk soon. You too. Bye. That was this week's edition of the Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.